2: Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm
1: Jan Black. We're very excited to welcome Jacqueline Whitmore to our show today. She is one of the foremost authorities on business etiquette in the world today. And she's the author of Poised for Success, Mastering the Qualities that Distinguish Outstanding Professionals. And she's also the author of Business Class, Etiquette Essentials for Success at Work. Jacqueline, welcome to the show.
0: Well, I'm
2: happy to be here with you. Talk to us a little bit about how and why you became interested in etiquette.
0: It's an interesting career path, I have to say. And I didn't start out in my life thinking I would ever become an etiquette expert. I don't think anybody ever thinks they'll become an etiquette expert. I actually went to school to become a broadcast journalist but I happened to fall into the hospitality industry and I worked for hotels for many years. Well, fast forward to the last hotel I worked for, which was the Breakers in Palm Beach. And the Breakers was famous for their etiquette camp for kids. And I was the assistant director of public relations. And it was my responsibility to promote this camp and to find the instructor. And I did find a fabulous instructor in Washington, D.C., and I asked her to come and teach the kids, and she did, and she said, why don't we expand this camp and open it up for adults? Why don't we have an etiquette camp for adults? And of course, I said, that's a great idea. I'll help you promote it, and I took the class. I felt like I could use these skills in my everyday life, and I was glad to take the class because it led to my interest in etiquette and protocol, and in 1998, I was laid off from my job, and that's when I took the etiquette course, a more extensive etiquette course in Washington, and I opened up my business. So it's been 20 years.
1: How do you define etiquette and protocol?
0: I define etiquette as the art of treating people the way you would like to be treated. So a lot of people, when they hear that word, they think artificial or stuffy or I'm better than, but that's not it at all. It's really the art of making people feel comfortable. Now, protocol, on the other hand, is rules. It's systematic rules. So etiquette and protocol are completely different. Etiquette is less black and white, whereas protocol, there are very specific rules and regulations one must follow. And, and for example, let's take the, the a political event, for example, maybe there's a foreign dignitary coming to the United States to visit our president. There are certain protocols for that person to follow in order to greet the president, or there are gift-giving protocols uh, when a president gives a gift to a foreign dignitary. There there are seating arrangements, uh, speeches to be made. So that's the difference, whereas etiquette is more about just being nice to people. And Jacqueline, it's
2: important to catch someone's name the first time that they introduce themselves. But I often have a hard time doing this, and I know I'm not alone. What advice do you have for making sure that we remember it after they tell us for the first time?
0: That's a really common conundrum with most of us. I even have challenges remembering names from time to time. So what I tell my students is when you hear a person's name, you must repeat it back to them. For example, you might say, hi, Jacqueline, I'm Jan. And I would say, very nice to meet you, Jan. Or if your name is unusual, I might say, how do you spell that? Or I might ask for a business card. So anytime you see a name in writing, it helps you to remember the name a little bit better. But practice makes perfect and none of us are perfect. So we all have to practice these tactics on a daily basis. But it's really important to remember this, what's important to you, you will remember. And I'll give you an example. Let's say you're out on a date and this fabulous person treats you to dinner. You're going to remember that person's name for a very long time if you like that person. And Maybe if that person makes loads of mistakes, you might remember that person's name, too. So it has to be one extreme or the other. But what you remember is usually what you want to remember.
1: All right. Now, what if you have forgotten someone's name and you're in a situation where you have to introduce them to someone else? And you should know their name. And you should know their name.
0: Right. Well, hopefully they'll step in and extend their hand and say their name, but that doesn't always happen. So I'm honest. I usually just say, I'm having one of those days. Please tell me your name again. I know you just said it two seconds ago, but please tell me your name again. I'm having a memory lapse. And most of us can relate to that. Mm -hmm. So it's better to just be honest, or if you're out with a friend and you're going to a big networking event, you can talk to the friend ahead of time and say, listen, if I don't introduce you to someone, just go ahead and extend your hand and say your name. It just means that I can't remember his name. Right.
1: right. My husband and I do that all the time (laughs) if we're going to an event, (laughs) yes, in the car beforehand. And
2: if you're at that event and you don't really know what to say, how can you make small talk that doesn't sound so stilted?
0: Well, there are two words that will launch scintillating conversation. Those two words are, tell me. Tell me, how did the two of you meet? Tell me, what did you enjoy most about your vacation? Tell me about that beautiful pen you're wearing. Does that have a history? When you comment about the obvious, the surroundings, the food, things that everybody can relate to, it's easier to start small talk. And there are two subjects that everyone can talk about, food food and travel just remember food and travel and you're in good shape oh interesting okay now what about the taboo topics taboo topics well we've all heard of those uh sex religion and politics and the cost of things however it depends on the group you're with. So if you're in a political group, then of course you're going to be talking politics. But if you're at a family holiday dinner, politics is probably not the most pleasant conversation because you're going to get differences of opinion and it might start an argument. Although I'm always in favor of having educational dialogue with family and friends. However, I would rather steer clear of anything that might cause some controversy.
2: And this year especially, the subject is certain to bring up some sort of controversy at family dinners. How do we deal with people who bring it up at dinner and how do we respond?
0: i think it's okay to respond to someone who brings up let's say a political situation at dinner as long as it's not confrontational as long as it doesn't get heated i think that we can learn by listening to other people we may not agree with that person but if you are in a disagreement and you see that the conversation isn't going anywhere you might just say well that's really interesting tom i respect your opinion however let's just agree to disagree and change the subject.
1: Interesting. Well, that sounds like good advice. What other advice do you have as far as holiday get-togethers are concerned? If you're talking about a business party, for example, an end-of-the-year holiday business party, what suggestions do you have for making that a, a positive experience? What to do and not to do?
0: Wow. Okay. So holiday business parties. (laughs) I would say find out what the dress code is ahead of time. Don't just show up in something that you think might be appropriate. What I see most often in business situations is people who dress inappropriately. Maybe you're dressed appropriately, but the person you're bringing to the party is dressed inappropriately. So that's another point. Find out if you can bring a guest. Don't just automatically bring a guest and make sure that that person represents you well. Also, when you go to these events, don't just sit in the corner and wait for people to approach you. It's everyone's responsibility to get up and mingle and meet new people. That's why you're invited. You're invited to an event, not because the host makes you hungry or thirsty, but because it's usually a thanks for your friendship or the host thinks you have something to contribute. So make it a point to go to the party, even if you stay 30 minutes. I know a lot of us are busy, and we don't necessarily want to go to everything, and that's fine, but remember, in business, you want to be perceived as a team player. So go to these events. Show up. I show up early because usually the VIPs and the most influential people show up early and they leave early. So if you are interested in meeting someone in particular, then show up early and ask for someone to introduce you to that person because it carries more weight when you are brought to a person by someone like the host or hostess versus just going up to somebody cold and saying, hi, my name is so-and-so. So prior planning prevents poor performance. Do your homework.
1: Our Nobody Told Me conversation continues as we help spread the word about our sponsor, Blissy. Blissey, spelled B-L-I-S-S-Y, makes all kinds of products to help you get a great night's sleep. I've been sleeping on a blissy mulberry silk pillowcase this past week and it's made a wonderful difference in the quality of my sleep me too
2: seriously because silk is what's best for your hair and your skin it reduces frizz tangles and prevents breakage that's because it keeps the moisture in your hair and keeps your skincare products and natural moisture on your skin unlike cotton does with the blissy pillowcase you can say goodbye to wrinkly skin in the morning and wake up with healthier and shinier hair you can be proud
1: of I love I love the way my skin looks and the way my hair feels after sleeping on a Blissey pillowcase. And I love the fact that Blissey's pillowcases regulate temperature, keeping you cool at night. The entire pillow is cool to the touch. No more sweaty nights spent tossing and turning as you search for the cool side of your pillow. Blissy
2: pillowcases are made of 100% mulberry silk, which is naturally hypoallergenic, so you can sleep more comfortably without itching or rashes. And unlike other silk pillowcases,
1: Blissey's are machine machine washable and durable. With the holidays just around the corner, why not give the gift of better sleep? And what better gift could you give? And Blissy products come in gift-ready packaging. Blissey is the 2021 Good Housekeeping winner for Best Bedding, so you can rest assured that you're giving a great gift. Everybody loves them. They have a ton of different prints and colors,
2: and they make great gifts because there's an option for literally anyone, even kids. They have over
1: 1 million raving fans, and you could be now next try now risk free for 60 nights at blissy.com/nobody and get an additional 30% off that's b l i s s y.com/nobody and use code nobody to get an additional 30% off your skin and hair will thank you sleep better with blissy and
2: use code nobody to get an additional 30% off at blissy.com/nobody
1: and blissy has set up a great website page for our listeners so if you're looking for a better night's sleep for yourself or someone on your gift list check out the wonderful products and fantastic deals at blissycom nobody
2: what are the basics of cell phone etiquette at these events or even out on a date or at dinner when can you bring out your cell phone should you turn it on silent what should you do
0: Well, you actually can bring out your cell phone under certain conditions, and and most people bring it out anyway, and that that tends to be the rude thing to do. In fact, a lot of people will bring the phone to the dinner table and put it on the table as if it's a piece of silverware, (laughs) and that is not the way to handle cell phone etiquette. In fact, I always say, if, if you can't eat it, keep it off the table. Put it on silent and if you are expecting a very important telephone call, step away from the table and take the call in private or alert your guest ahead of time and say, uh, I just wanted you to know the babysitter's keeping my three-year-old and I might get a call and if so, I'll just step away briefly and, and return the call or just let the person know. But that's the big thing. Cell Yell is another big faux pas. That means talking louder than you normally need to talk or discussing private matters in public places. That's also a big no-no.
1: What are some of the do's and don'ts of working a room at a business party?
0: There are a lot of ways to work a room. And I always say the most powerful part of a room is the door because everybody's eye is on the door. You're watching who's coming, who's going, what he's wearing, what she's wearing. And so use the door to your advantage. When you walk into a room, step off to the side of the door. When you walk into the doorway, step off to the side and pause for just a few minutes and scan the room. And this allows you to collect your thoughts and to say to yourself, who do I want to meet first? That's the biggest thing because if you go to a networking event, without a plan, then you're probably going to set yourself up for failure. So you must have a plan before you walk in and work that room. So when you walk in, you want to avoid two places, avoid the bar and the buffet right away, because most people will head for those areas. (laughs) And you're there for a reason. You're not there to eat the pop stickers and the beanie weenies and, and drink your six gen and tonics. That's the other thing. Limit your alcohol consumption because loose lips sink ships. It's okay to have a glass of wine or two. Know your limits. But don't pile your plate high and drink too much. That means you might talk too much or say the wrong thing. You're really there, again, for business purposes. So a business meal is more about the business and less about the meal. The other thing I want to say is eat something before the event because you never want to show up to an event famished because you will head for the bar or the buffet. And when you drink on an empty stomach, well, we all know what happens after that. It's just a recipe for disaster. So eat a little something so that you're not famished.
2: And is it a smart idea at these events to bring up work or should you steer clear of that subject?
0: Well, it depends. You know, etiquette is not black and white. It depends on the group. It depends on the situation. I would say that if you do talk about work, you want to make sure that it's not in the company of others that don't work for your company. For example, let's say that we all go to uh, a company party and our spouses and partners are invited. If I start talking about business around your spouses or partners, they're probably going to get bored. And that doesn't do me any good, and it doesn't do you any good. So know your audience. And if you are going to talk about business, be brief. Just be brief or save it for Monday. If somebody starts talking business with you, then you might want to say, John, it's that's a really interesting point, but can we just save it for Monday? Let's just have a good time tonight.
1: I know you also advise people to get Practice with networking and mingling and that kind of thing by going to events, maybe even out of town, someplace where they're not really known or they don't really care, uh, in order to practice their skills?
0: Well, that's a great way to practice your networking etiquette. I remember when I moved here, I live in Mount Dora, Florida, which is about an hour north of Orlando. And when I first moved here, no one knew me. So I would make a point to go out alone to events. It might be just like um we have something cute called um it's like a yappy hour. Yappy hour is for pet owners <laughs> to get oh, okay. together and all they bring you bring your dog and you have a glass of wine and it's kind of like a little block party where people get together. And so I brought my dogs and I didn't know anybody, but it was a great way for me to practice my networking skills on a neutral territory where no one knew me and I didn't have anything to lose. And it also helped me meet new people.
2: And on a totally different note, social media has made it so easy for people to show feelings that they wouldn't necessarily show if they were face to face with somebody. Is it always appropriate to follow the rule if it's rude in person, it will still be rude on social media? Or are there exceptions to the rule when we can stand up for ourselves more behind the screens, I should say?
0: I think a lot of people hide behind the mask of social media and they say things that they wouldn't ordinarily say to their peers or friends or family members. And I think that social media is a blessing. It's also a curse in that it has opened up a whole new world for us, but it has also exposed us to more negativity as well. And so I would be very cautious about what you put out there. I'll give you an example. I teach at a lot of colleges and universities. And the first thing that I do when I'm working with a student one-on-one to get them ready for to make that transition from campus to career is I will check their social media pages. And the reason I do this is because employers do it. And I always say you want to put yourself in the best light. So if you're out there on Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter or Facebook and you're doing something inappropriate, employers are going to see it as well. So you need to clean up your pages. You need to set your privacy settings really tight. And just remember that you have a personal brand online and in person. And
1: along those lines, what advice do you have in terms of setting up one's own personal brand in the workplace, even if you're not the head of the company, you're just wanting to advance your career. How should you see yourself as a personal brand and what should you do to, to make that as palatable, as, as uh, successful as possible?
0: Our personal brands start when we're very young. In fact, our personal brand can start when we're adolescent. And a lot of people don't realize that. And we carry our personal brand with us every single day. As soon as we step out of our front door into the world, we're wearing our personal brand at all times. And people are judging us by the way that we treat other people. So, for example, if you're on a bus and someone takes your seat and you're getting ready to sit down, but somebody takes your seat and cuts in front of you, the first thing you're going to think is, gosh, that person is rude. So that person may not be rude. He or she may be in their own zone or they may not even realize that they're doing that, but they have already made an impression on you. So you've already created an impression about this person just by the way he or she treated you. So it's important to be mindful of how you're going about your daily life a lot of us just go through our daily life like a robot we don't even really think about what we're doing and that's not the way to to live life it's important to be more mindful of how we walk how we talk how we treat other people and one of the things that i like to do and i i have to work on this every day because I think people who teach etiquette, I I have a joke, I need it the most because I've made every faux pas in the world. But what I like to do is when I go to the grocery store and I'm in the checkout line, I like to speak to the cashier who's checking out my groceries. I look at his or her name. I address them by name. I have a little chit chat. It might be something simple as how is your day going or has it been busy today? Something simple. And just acknowledge that person because you would be surprised how many people are not appreciated. They don't get acknowledged at all. And, And that little tiny gesture of kindness can make a huge difference in that person's day. So that's what I mean by enhancing your personal brand. If you want to enhance your personal brand, just be kinder to other people.
2: In this day and age, so many people use LinkedIn to connect with potential employers. And I feel like it's kind of not clear as to how we're supposed to approach these people on LinkedIn. And should we message them? Should we just view their profile? What's your advice for that?
0: LinkedIn is a great tool for people who are in business. However, I am seeing more and more people try to link up with other people for personal reasons, and it might be for dating reasons. LinkedIn is not a dating site. No. <laughs> <laughs> there are other sites that you can go to and subscribe to that will help you in that department. LinkedIn is strictly for uh, networking with with associates, with connecting, with referrals. It's a great place for you to post your resume or to give recommendations And I use it for that. And I would recommend that you post a professional picture of yourself. Don't post your picture that was taken 20 years ago that you don't even look like or don't wear the feather boa or the sequence. This is not glamour shots. It is a professional picture. And also make sure that your information is up to date. And if you're going to connect with someone, you might want to add a little messenger to that person and say, I would like to connect with you on LinkedIn because we met at such and such an event. So you're jogging their memory and they are more likely to accept your invitation if you tell them how the two of you know each other or who, who you have in common. Jacqueline, you have some thoughts
1: on the types of handshakes people give when they're being introduced to one another or in other situations. Share that with us if you would.
0: There's one handshake that I like to teach my students and that's the web to web. It's firm. It's not too long and lingering. In fact, it's two or three smooth pumps. But the main thing is it is a firm handshake. And by the way, men and women should shake hands the same way in the business arena and men and women should stand for handshakes because standing Shows respect for the other person as well as yourself. I would discourage anyone from using the limp fish, the terminator, or the the two handed handshake, unless, of course, you're a politician or you're in a, a religious arena. And I would also say, stay away from what I call the fingerella, where you just give your fingertips. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I know. I know.
1: I can, I can feel each one of those handshakes as you're describing them. Right.
0: And the fist bump. I just got a question the other day from a student who said, can I use the fist bump? I said, only with very close friends. It's not a business handshake. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. One of the questions I wanted to ask you the most when I found out we were getting you on was what do we do when the bill comes if we aren't entirely sure who's paying? As a millennial, I feel like I'm in this situation a lot where I just go to dinner with my friends and nobody's really sure what to do when the bill does come.
0: Well, I'm glad you told me that you're a millennial because I have a lot of friends who are millennials and they all love to split the bill. I mean, yeah. when the bill comes, that's just, that's just a given. We're all going to split the check. Now, if you have somebody at the table who is drinking more than everybody else, uh, then that can become a problem because that person owes more than everybody else. Or you've got the person who just orders a glass of water and a bowl of soup. So I would recommend that you establish the boundaries ahead of time. So if you go to dinner with friends, say, do you mind if we all ha- have separate checks? And servers nowadays are so used to... That request, it's a no-brainer. So they're happy to give separate checks. And that's the easiest way to go. And I usually establish those guidelines before we order dinner. So um, another savvy way of handling a check, let's say you're treating uh, a friend for her birthday and you don't want the check to be brought to the table because you think, oh, she'll want to pay her own bill. I would recommend that you excuse yourself during dessert and you find your server and you give the server your credit card and you settle the check away from the table. And that way the bill is never brought to the table.
2: And one more question on this topic. I feel like my mom and I have had so many conversations about this and I think it's very different generation to generation with me being a millennial and her being a baby boomer. But on dates today, it's very common, even on the first date, for the girl and the guy to split the bill. And I always consider this to be pretty normal. And she always says, no, 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 the guy should be paying. What do you think?
0: Wow. That is such a tough question because you're absolutely right. There is a, um, the the baby movers, for example, I have a lot of girlfriends who say, you know, I have never paid my own bill on a, on a date. It is a privilege to go out with me and (laughs) I expect the guy to pay. And maybe that works in her situation. However, I hear more and more people say that they would rather Split the bill on the first date because the pressure is off and you usually pick a place that isn't expensive. I would recommend for a first date that you go to a coffee shop or you might have a glass of wine and if things go well, then you could say, oh, why don't we just carry on and go to dinner together? But usually with a first date, I would recommend that you keep it light and try to keep it as inexpensive as possible and pay your own bill and that way you don't feel obligated to the other person
1: you know please and thank you are two sayings or or expressions that we all need to know but i'm finding that with younger people today if i say thank you often i get back no worries how do you feel about that as an answer or no problem Instead of, you're welcome. I don't
0: like that at all. I don't like the answer, no problem. It is not an appropriate response to a thank you because when you say no problem, it indicates that there was a problem to begin with. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend that people say, you're welcome or my pleasure and leave it at that.
1: Thank you for saying that. Oh, you, you agree with I, me. We've had this discussion before. I, I just look completely shocked. I, I think
2: I say that all the time. No worries or no problem. I'm just so used to saying that. and I yeah. didn't realize that was
1: wrong to say. And no, I think it's a generational thing. And I like someone to say, you're welcome. Yeah. If I yeah. say thank you. The proper response is you're welcome. But maybe that's just me. Uh, you know, Jacqueline, another thing that we always ask our guests, since our show is called Nobody Told Me, we always ask our guests, what's your... Nobody Told Me Lesson. So what is it that nobody told you about etiquette or protocol or or just getting along in in society that you had to learn on your own?
0: Nobody told me that this information would be so difficult for people to learn. And I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more. When I started my career in etiquette, I assumed everybody knew how to shake hands. I assumed everybody knew how to introduce themselves or use a knife and fork. And when I started teaching executives, I thought to myself, oh, they're they're going to laugh and they're going to think this is absolutely basic and ridiculous. And I was wrong. I realized that most people are not taught this information at home or at school or anywhere else. And I was giving them valuable information that would help them excel in business as well as in life. And so when I started out 20 years ago, I was young, <laughs> young twenty years younger than I younger. am now, and all my students were much older than I am or I was. Today, I am older than my students. So I feel very confident that the information that I am teaching is valuable and these are life lessons. These are leadership skills that people can take with them. My mother always said, when you gain information, when you gain an education, no one can beat that out of you. That's the one thing no one can take away from you. And etiquette is the same way. When you have good etiquette, you'll be judged favorably. And it will make your life so much easier if you are just nice to people. And how can people
2: find out more about you and your books and connect with you on social media?
0: All you have to do is Google Etiquette Expert. And I come up number one in the search engines. I'm EtiquetteExpert.com. And I am on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter. Pinterest, LinkedIn, you name it. I'm I'm on all of them.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, Jacqueline, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. Our thanks to Jacqueline Whitmore. And again, you can find out more about her work and her books at etiquettexpert.com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us.